0: Hi all, and welcome to China EVs and more, where my co-host Lei Xing and I will go over some of the week's most important news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. We will open the room up at around the 40-minute mark to anyone who's keen to ask us any questions. One rule, we appreciate vigorous debate, but let's all be considerate and respectful to each other. What Lei and I discussed today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. Even if it sounds like investment advice, it isn't. We encourage those who enjoy this room to please connect with us on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li, and I am the Managing Director at Sino Auto Insights, a Beijing-based consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which of course, I encourage you all to do.
1: Lei, can you please introduce yourself? Hi all Good evening from my side. My name is Lei Xing and I am the former chief editor of China Auto Review, which published newsletters and a tabloid magazine in English focused exclusively on the Chinese auto market. I've spent most of the last 20 years on the ground in China covering the industry. I am now in the U.S. working as an independent analyst consultant, still trying to keep tabs on the rapidly evolving market. This week, we're talking April sales and shocking Tesla numbers, EV battery swapping national standards, provisions for automotive data security administration, 360 JD. Join Smart EV Frey and Xpeng earnings. Two. Where do you want to start?
0: You know the, the interesting thing this week about the battery swapping was not only that the standards were kind of announced by the Chinese government, but that during the Future of the Car Summit, that's held every year by the Financial Times, Luca De Mayo, the CEO of Renault actually brought up battery swapping as a possible solution for their EVs. And so a little history on Renault, they were the first manufacturing partner for A Better Place, which 12 years ago, I think it was 12 years ago, were the first battery swapping startup to really try to push electric vehicles into the market. A Better Place failed in it's super for wonks that, like me, who are very interested in how the automotive sector has evolved, look up Shai Agassi and look up Better Place if you haven't heard of them. There they were an Israeli company that started this battery swapping stuff, and Renault was their first OEM partner to sign on. So Renault has a history of battery swapping. And during the summit, he was interviewed and he brought this up because there's a lot of of, of talk between the pro swapping and the you know non-swapping guys. So it's going to take a lot of effort to do swapping. I think China is very, very committed to it. And the EU is starting to look at it, but to, this needs, needs to be driven by the private sector. And ways it's going to help and succeed is to create standardization so that other car companies or multiple car companies can utilize the service i think another way of helping NCC is allowing different form factors whether it's private passenger vehicles commercial vehicles to use these swapping stations as well so that you can amortize the cost of building the station and the number of batteries because the batteries need to sit on somebody's balance sheet right so and The way you succeed is the cost, reducing the cost over a larger number of vehicles. So, you know, Neo last week, I think two weeks ago, had said that they were going to do swapping in Norway. So they're trying to push battery swapping into the European market. But it is going to take for a United States or the EU to jump on board one or two larger OEMs to really, really drive the demand for that. So, what do you think it's going to take outside of China for battery swapping to succeed? What are your initial thoughts on that stuff?
1: Well, I think battery swapping—it's not one size fits all. I don't think it's suitable for all markets, especially considering in the U.S., where you know, going back to Tesla as an example again yeah, with the supercharging, and also with with how people way they live, right? Urbanization in China battery swapping and see much more appropriate or relevant for people, you know, without the space or the resources to build these charging stations.
0: Yes, the Chinese the char- characteristics make it much more right. likely to happen here than other yeah. places.
1: And then uh, if, you, if you just look at it from a much higher level, battery swapping, not for the sake of battery swapping, but for the sake of future mobility, When NEO launches ET7, or later on, supposedly Level 4, Level 3, whatever you call them, much higher automated driving vehicles that can automatically go into these battery swapping stations and come out fully juiced and continue operating. Think about that business model, right? Right. Without, you know, I know Volkswagen, they're doing these robot chargers, right, that (laughs) the robots come it's like battery banks that come to your car and, and charge right. your car. That's another model. But, right, you got to think much longer term, the mobility ecosystem. Sure. And I think this may be what these companies, including NIO, are looking at. And another part of it is just increase efficiency. Why is alton right? Alton is a company that's been rumored to be working with uh, GAC, right? Yep. They're working with SAIC these type of companies that, that that specifically deal with fleets, not the private consumers, but the fleets. So they can go in, get the battery out, and then just start operating, You earn more money, right? All these different business models. But in the US, I don't think battery swapping is, I mean, from the very top, it's to build 500,000, what, charging stations, right? And that's already being earmarked, whatever investment. So, so you might not work here, but China and other countries, maybe sure.
0: I think battery swapping, to your point, as a standalone option is not the answer for everyone's problems or issues, right? But I could see it being part of, you know, a multi-pronged solution. Supercharging, battery swapping is kind of a subscription service. So if I'm a premium car maker and I can buy into Neo's standardization of batteries or whatever, and then because, you know, the difference maker will hopefully be my battery management system to a certain extent that'll give me a bit more range than my competitors. And, you know, if batteries, if and when, and this is going to be a win, but batteries become a bit more commoditized, unless we're talking completely different chemistries, you know, I think there's a way to do this and create better customer engagement, better customer service, better user experience. If it's one of a few different options that you have, right? Because people that have single family homes in the United States they can plug in overnight. In China, you know this, it's a lot harder to do that because in the cities, most people live in high rises, you know, that is either being rented and and there's no dedicated parking spot with a charging pile, or they might need to go to the mall and park their car in order to get that done, right? So, to your point, uh, there's a lot of different situations and I don't know if there's a one-size-fits-all solution, but giving people choices or options, and then charging them a flat fee per month in order to charge their vehicle. I think that's probably a viable solution, especially as technology kind of pushes the envelope and gives you new options. There could be wireless charging in the next three or four years. There could be charging while you're driving on the road. So there's a lot of different ways that battery swapping would be helpful as part of a multi pronged solution. So let's move on to x earnings. I'll draw out a few numbers, Lei, and then let's get your take on interpretation for their earnings. So uh, April, they sold 5,147 cars, almost 3,000 of those were P7s, which is their sedan, their, um, their flagship sedan, which is around 300,000 RMB or about 40, dollars $45,000. The G3, which was the SUV they introduced first, which is pretty long in the tooth and needs an update, but definitely needs an update. Sold 2,152 of those, so the numbers for April seem pretty low. The P5, they did receive almost 10,000 or just over 10,000 orders, so I think that was pleasant for X Gross margin is at 11.2, so they're able to squeeze out some efficiency with the individual pricing. And they talked about their NGP and their next generation uh, xpilot I think it's called Xpilot. Pilot, but um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on their earnings announcement today?
1: Well, I thought the highlight was the software revenues. Right. Um, they revealed it was about eighty MMB, eighty million. So just so pro- around what, eleven, twelve million dollars? No, I did my math wrong. Um, <laughs> but you know, whatever the case, uh, eighty million MMB uh, for software revenues from the XP Pilot. Yep and 50 million came from you know was booked but that was from previous quarter or previous months booked into q1 and 30 million came from q1 and that helped their gross margin increase by about 2.5 percentage points so i think for the investors and and for the you know securities people who are looking into uh, the stock that's you know they want to see how much further this software recurring software revenues kind of like, you know, subscription, how that will increase as we go on, right? I think the penetration was 20% or the takeaway was 20% for the 23,000 P7s that they've sold until um, end of March. You can sort of do the math, right? How much per vehicle the software revenues is going to generate in addition to the selling, right? Selling price, which is the vehicle revenues. Uh, so I thought that was that was um, the highlight. And, you know, Huo said he expects this to increase. And I think that goes back to Xpeng's strategy at the very beginning to have full stack autonomous driving capabilities and putting that NGP 3,000 kilometer um, demonstration in March and, and convincing the customers. That's their selling point. And now with with the P5, they're they're looking at much higher volume than the P7. Yes. And increase in LFP batteries will help increase the gross margin as well. Eleven mm-hmm. percent. I mean, that's that's. I think that's half of where they want to be, right? Twenty percent. I think Neil got to twenty percent. Sure. Uh, gross margins. They're halfway there.
0: So they're gonna have to do a lot of work. They're gonna do a lot of work to get to twenty
1: percent. They're gonna to have to do a lot of work. Yeah. In terms of deliveries, right? Fifteen thousand to sixteen thousand for Q two, which again they expect to be the worst quarter in terms of chip shortage. Right. So, you know, it's not that surprising. But I think overall it was it was good. I mean reflecting that in the stock price though. <laughs> yeah. It took a hit. So Tesla is down. I mean, huge. But yeah, I, th- I think the software revenue is really interesting, uh, autonomous driving um, as a upgrade. Yeah. You know, that's the
0: holy grail, right? That's the holy grail that actually might never come to fruition, right? That could be one of those Uber says, if I get to 10 million users, I'm going to be profitable. You know, I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to generate enough revenue, and I'm saying expung, but... This is being forecasted by a lot of analysts, and I don't know what types of services can be offered in a vehicle where there's going to be millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of revenue generated. Now, I'm working with some companies that are looking at ways to pivot in order to sell their product into vehicles. So, you know, I I could change my mind a bit, but as more mobility-related services get launched into vehicles... but you know, if the possibility of building out, you know, $100 million worth of service revenue is why their share price, generally speaking, EV company share prices are so high, you know, I think they might be chasing the ghost. The other thing that I, I wanted you to clarify for me was the announcement that they said between the three plants, there's 300,000 units of capacity with the possibility of half a million units of capacity. So are we saying that each plant has 300,000 or are we saying that each plant has 100,000? This is what I'm a little bit confused
1: about. Um, 100,000. Right. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Which seems low, you know. Uh, well, it's all relative, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for, for a company that delivers a few, uh, what they deliver, let's say 20,000 a year, mm-hmm. 20 to 30,000 a year. That's a third of their capacity. And now they're building more, <laughs> way more capacity than, yeah, than they're, they're,
0: they're They're hoping that the P5 takes up probably 30, 40, 50% of their volume, I'm assuming. And so, you know, I, I guess we're, I'm used to three, four, 500,000 unit capacity manufacturing sites. You know, like I don't think GM and Ford have anything lower than, you know, 250,000, 300,000 unit manufacturing sites so i think um that's why i thought it seemed low but I, I that's why i wanted the clarification so um is that going to in lieu of their contract manufacturing or is that in addition to their contract manufacturing
1: i think that's in addition so that's the three plants right mm-hmm. that they're building on their own right so that's in addition right they use high mile for contract manufacturing for the g3 yes I think that they're they're going to you know put everything in their own plans. Right, that was the plan.
0: So 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 we're at nine forty, but let's talk about two things very quickly: the provisions for Automotive Data Security Administration draft, and I think we can combine this into the three hundred and sixty JD announcement. So, uh, can you explain to us a little bit more about the provision for the uh, data security draft?
1: Yeah. So. In contrast to the battery swapping standards, I think this is a bit more recent uh, based on, you know, the smart EVs always innovating and developing ahead of regulations. And this is where the regulations are trying to catch up. And this provision, the interesting, I think the interesting uh, content, uh, BITS, uh, I think is requiring uh, data to first to be within Chinese borders, right? But it does not say that you can't bring outside. It says this. It says, if you were to, you know, bring outside of China, you have to apply for appraisal. And there's a bunch of requirements on, you know, what information you need to uh, provide and who you provide to in order to have these uh, data out of China. Again, it might be directed at Tesla, but I think this is for the whole smart EV sector. Right, And it's not. it's not only vehicle operation data they list uh, quite a few other relevant data you know insurance everything from you know what camera you uh, sees right sure. outside uh, the driver passengers so it's a much more comprehensive i think set of regulations than, than the uh, battery, battery swapping which is just a kind of the safety requirements but here is basically even you know owners the drivers passengers pedestrians anything uh, mapping data that that's higher than whatever the, the the national public allowed data even the charging data charging network data things like that you know a lot of a lot of different data so you know just issue of national security um, and this is a, a release by the Cyberspace space administration china <laughs> which usually controls what is being said and reported sure. <laughs> on the media, <laughs> right?
0: I think the pendulum's going to swing. I think um, with smart EVs gaining popularity in the EU, and the EU being uh, having a reputation of of being very protective of uh, of consumers' data, you know, I think they're going to have to weigh in in the next twelve or eighteen months, and in the United States as well, as they pivot completely towards smart EVs. And we'll see more of that as the Hummer gets launched, as Rivian gets launched, as the F-150, the Mach-E gets into year two of production. So I really feel that this is going to be a hot button item in the next 12 to 18 months. So we're gonna keep track of it very closely because it not only affects national security, it also affects product design. It also affects partnerships. It affects user experience the ability to have a global brand. And uh, and it's not just software data, but it's also hardware, right? There's chips, there's firmware, everything that's all involved with cross-border, either data collection, uh, edge computing, cloud computing. So uh, it's super interesting topic that there's also political ramifications and, and diplomacy uh, uh, ramifications. So no answers yet, but uh, this is kind of the first step towards, I think, kind of a global uh, realization that there needs to be formal uh, policies and uh, processes for, for the data exchange.
1: Yeah, and this is a draft that's been published to Solicit Comments for a month. And it looks like what normally happens is I doubt much will change after this period is over, and most likely this will go into effect in the second quarter, late second quarter, or the start of the third quarter. So
0: so can you explain to people who 360 is? Because I think most people will know who JD.com is, but can you help them tell them a little bit more about 360 and you know what what kind of company they are, what they do?
1: Well, 360 is almost like the Siemens tech or... The Kapersky of of China, okay. The, the uh, what the internet and uh, virus, yes, uh, antivirus software. Yes, and I have one. I have one of their things installed on my computer, <laughs> not willingly, but somehow it just got installed.
0: <laughs> yes, so it's a, it's like a Norton's or a uh, McAfee, Norton.
1: right? Yeah, Norton or McAfee, right? Except I guess they're more. They're, they're what the internet security. Yes. Company, you know, I guess so this, I mean, their move into uh, their, their cooperation with uh, Neta or Hozon is like almost perfect timing uh, you know, when this uh, data regulation comes out and they're in a perfect position. And it felt like, hey, you know, that's, that's our selling point. That we're going to be in this as a special with this special expertise. And Netta needed money um, <laughs> and it felt as if another IT company was looking to move into the smart EV space, and it's like, which partner do I choose? Oh, the only one left is Neta. so let's pick Neta. Yes, that's yes. how it happened.
0: I think. And to give JD some credit, they have probably you know one of the largest repositories of logistics data in the world, right? And um, they're just what I would call the amazon and best buy combined of china would 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 you say that's a fairly accurate comparison of jd to uh, a western company lay
1: yeah that's perfect
0: and um it's a weird partnership but you know what we've seen weirder but again this is just a partnership we haven't seen any products yet so the jury's still out. yeah
1: i think You know, the thing about these tech companies making cars, it's all getting blurred. Baidu, for example, is working with Geely on a JV, right? That's one model. And these new entrants, 360 and JD, they're investing into these companies. But where they might not be as involved in in the actual manufacturing um, is another model. And then Xiaomi outright, they're making their own cars. Right. that's the third model so i think it's it's getting really blurred is 360 making cars technically no no but the right so you see what i'm saying yeah it's jd making cars technically no but they've become a player but this is the thing like
0: i think there's a, a certain amount of fomo and i don't know if they know what they're going to end up doing right because You know, they have these MOUs or these marketing opportunities and make these announcements. But, you know, behind closed doors, they're probably trying to figure out, well, you're responsible for this. I'm responsible for this. Who's actually going to manufacture this vehicle? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a decent number of these partnerships never, never really pan out. So,
1: yeah. And it's almost like uh, as if I don't want to be left out.
0: For sure. For sure. And this is where I think you have an opportunity, you know, maybe they can recruit you to become the CEO of the new joint venture <laughs> company. <laughs> because I can't imagine there's many other qualified people that could manage a complicated company like this, right? That brings us to the end of this week's show. Leigh and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at Sino Auto Insight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find lay on Twitter at Leixing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-77. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.